0: Welcome to Sibeline Podcasts, part of our Insight series where we aim to provide relevant, timely and actionable analysis in a discursive format. We hope you enjoy listening and welcome any feedback. Please visit our website for more Insight series updates and as always, like, subscribe and share.
1: Hello and thank you for tuning in to our latest Sibeline podcast. I'm Amy Reynolds, Sibeline's Deputy Insight Manager. And I'm joined this week by Hugo Yu, our lead Asia-Pacific analyst, and our intelligence analyst for the Asia-Pacific region, Aidan Mordecai. And today we're going to be discussing China-Australia relations and the associated risk of arbitrary detention and other forms of politicized justice. Hugo, Aidan, thank you both very much for joining me. So just to start off by giving a little bit of background to our topic, the trigger for this podcast was the formal arrest last week of Chinese-born Australian journalist Cheng Lei, with charges of supplying state secrets overseas, and Cheng was initially detained back in August of last year, and this is all very much taking place against the backdrop of gradually worsening relations between Australia and China. So to go to you first, Hugo, you know what do we know about Cheng Lei's case? It seems pretty odd for a well-known foreign TV anchor working for the state-run broadcaster CCTV to be facing espionage charges. So how much do you think the worsening bilateral ties between China and Australia played a part in her arrest?
2: Hi everyone, thank you, Amy, for the questions. Yeah, it it sounds like a very peculiar case, doesn't it? I mean, Chen Lei working, as you said, as a TV anchor, well-known TV anchor for the state-owned broadcaster, CCTV's English language channel, would be someone you know, at the front end of telling China stories and the official narrative to the international world. In other words, as, uh, as a platform to project China's soft power. So the arrest really came as a surprise in terms of how much detail we, we know about well, what Chen Lei might have done linking to the espionage charges. The short answer is no, and we are li- likely to find out until perhaps uh, after the conclusion of the trial, which almost certainly will be uh, taking place behind closed doors with very limited access, as, as the case with most trials relating to state secrets. So at, at the moment in time, we don't know exactly why she was, arrested and she, she was targeted, but perhaps potentially it could be involvement with uh, other, uh, or, or due to her, her links to uh, other Chinese officials. But at the moment in time, um, the short answer is, you know, we, we can't be certain because authorities in China uh, have not provided any additional information apart from just announcing the formal arrest. And and regarding to the second question, whether that's related to um, the background of uh, uh, deteriorating bilateral ties between Beijing uh, and Canberra. Again, there's no evidence to suggest a direct link due to lack of information. But um, one thing is for certain is the risk of, as you mentioned, uh, politicized justice and arbitrary detention and, and indeed uh, any other forms of um, political harassment or enhanced regulatory scrutiny uh, tend to be on the rise when uh, bilateral political tensions increase as well. So so there's certainly a pattern for, for us to see, you know, against this backdrop, it make Australia, uh, people uh, with links to Australia or Australian entities that be uh, be more risky in, in those charges or p- enhance political uh, scrutinies by the Chinese authorities.
1: Got it. Yeah. So unsurprisingly, all a bit opaque there, but you say certainly possible that Cheng Lei could be being used as a bit of a pawn in this sort of broader bilateral fallout. So and then considering the state of China Australia relations what's our outlook here you know do we think the year of the ox may bring any auspicious signs of reconciliation or are we just going to see a continuation of the current downward spiral
2: Yeah that's a great question China has been celebrating the new year in the past week and up to now in as of early 2021 we have seen no signs of any improvement in, or even sort of tentative overture in steps of uh, in making step of uh, improving the bilateral relations. Beijing, from Beijing's perspective, it has certainly stayed very firm on its stance and and its criticism against Australia, and indeed, uh, or uh, most of its measures that uh, it has taken to um, penalize uh, Australian firms and Australia uh, and export from Australia ranging from coal, wine, and barley, and many, many commodities. That has not been uh, eased, and there's no evidence to suggest it It will be uh, lifted soon. Uh, Indeed, Australian mining giant BHP recently said it's not banking on the current ban on Australian coal to be lifted anytime soon. And we see significant impact um, due to Australia's very sort of resource-oriented uh, resource and export-dependent economy that such, um, such measures by Beijing uh, in restrictions and, and, and limitations has really caused um, a, a big impact on, on Australia's trade. And um, also, you know, let's not forget China's being one of the most important trading partner for, uh, for Canberra so for example we see uh wine exports you know remember china slapped on uh, over 200% tariffs on on australian wine and 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 the export no surprise dropped by you know 98% in december but i, I read recently um australian wine traders trying to find a new market for example we see uh european customers including People in the UK, perhaps, you know, really fed up uh, by the lockdown and in snapping up Australian wines. So I guess, you know, every cloud, you know, but I think this shift of oversupply to elsewhere uh, indeed will take time. So so it, it wouldn't happen overnight and, and it will take months, if not years to really shift it. By then, we potentially will see, you know, uh, some sort of uh, changes or, or indeed one would have hoped uh, an improvement on bilateral relations. And lastly, I think there's also will be interested to see um, whether the the new U.S. president Biden and it uh, is um, new strategy a return to multilateralism with emphasis of emphasis on uh, strengthening regional alliance, including uh, Australia, Japan, and South Korea in, in its policy to counter China's rise, uh, and whether this will have an effect on on the uh, overall China-Australian relations. But uh, at the moment of time, as I said, we haven't seen any signs for for improvement and all these measures are are, are taking uh, a toll on Australia's trade.
1: Great, thank you for that, Hugo. Some, Some really interesting points raised there. And ultimately, I suppose, not a great outlook for Australian businesses with strong ties to China, as you say, um, in the short term, at least. I, for one, will be happy to do my bit for those Australian uh, wine producers until things start to look a bit brighter. Um, Excellent, so Aidan, coming to you now, in terms of the risk of arbitrary detention and of other types of politicized justice, is the risk mainly attached to journalists and media personnel working in China? or are there other kinds of businesses and organizations that could be in the firing line here as well?
3: Yeah, I would agree that uh, journalists for sure are one of those uh, priority groups that should consider their, their situation if they're, they're based in, in China as well as well as Hong Kong, if we've seen uh, uh, over the past year since the national security law has been introduced there. But as well as journalism, I would say that those working in academia or for think tanks for uh, universities carrying out research, especially in areas that might be considered sensitive in, in China, as well as the those are working in, in, in NGOs. The, those two groups along with journalism would most likely face the highest risk do, mainly because of the, the nature of, of their work and, and how it, it's and the I guess, the potential uh, damage that could be done to China's international standing um, as, as a result as of people's uh, research in these areas. And it's not just the industry, I think, that one is working in that could raise the risk of potential arbitrary detention, of course, with, uh, as, as we saw, the journalist who was arrested more recently. She had connections to uh, China from our background, so those with connections to um, particularly to politicians or maybe Chinese business or politically involved Chinese business are therefore more exposed. I personally don't think that they are going to look to target those in the the international business community. I do think there's a desire from Beijing to uh, keep investment coming in, keep trade flowing. So from that point of view, uh, I don't think it will be the main target. But if tensions between you know China Australia or China US China UK raise another notch then you could not could not rule it out no
1: got it thanks Aidan yeah some really interesting food for thought there about who might be most at risk well thank you both very much for sharing your thoughts with us today I've no doubt that our subscribers and listeners will take a lot away from our conversation And I look forward to joining you both again soon for further discussion of China and other developments in the Asia-Pacific region.
3: Pleasure. Thank you, Amy. Thank you very much.
1: And now I'm joined by Ed Johnson, manager of the Insight team, to share with us his thoughts on what to watch out for around the world in the week ahead. Ed, thanks very much for joining me. So what have you got on your radar that we should be aware of?
0: Hi, Amy. Yes, thanks very much. We've got a a couple of particularly notable events in in the week ahead. Most worryingly, perhaps, for for long-term stability in the Middle East is Iran's threat to expel all remaining United Nations uh, nuclear watchdog inspectors unless US sanctions are lifted by the 21st of February. That's clearly a a threat that's accompanied by Iran's plans to step up its uranium enrichment uh, enrichment program beyond the limits of uh, the, the 2015 JCPOA deal and really threatens to uh, increase pressure on on both Tehran, Israel and the US as well. Elsewhere, uh, Hong Kong has announced uh, it will launch a mass inoculation program on the 26th of February uh, after the authorities approved the use of uh, China's own Sinovac COVID-19 vaccine. And the city has also announced uh, approvals for the BOM tech vaccine. And this sort of rollout will, will definitely... Is accompanied by relaxation in social distancing measures, which were announced on the 18th of February, and obviously serves to reduce the risk of another wave of infection spreading there.
1: Okay, great. Thank you very much for that. And is there anything else, perhaps any notable instances of potential unrest that we should be aware of?
0: Absolutely. Uh, Also in in South Africa, we've got uh, the country's annual budget on the 24th of February, which is likely to be accompanied by industrial action. If there are serious moves in in the budget itself towards privatisation or restructuring of state-owned enterprises, two of the country's largest unions, SAFTU and Cosatu, are already planning uh, strike action to accompany the event itself uh, on the 24th. And elsewhere in in Georgia this week, uh, we would expect to see anti-government protests following the uh, arrest of the opposition leader on the 17th of February and the subsequent resignation of the the prime minister on the 18th of February, which, while that might serve to mitigate a, a little bit of the opposition's ire, we would still expect to see those demonstrations take place as the political crisis in Georgia continues.
1: Great. Thank you very much for that, Ed. And thanks very much to everyone for listening. Please do get in touch with us if you have any questions about our discussion topics or our weekly forecast. And we hope you'll join us again next week.